Welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. This is where I help strong, capable women excavate the inner garbage in their life so they can become more confident and have more clarity on who they are and how they really want to be in the world. We have rich, juicy conversations about, yeah, you guessed it, empowerment, but also about radiating your brilliance and loving yourself more than you ever have in your life. And who doesn't want that? So join me now for another empowering chat. So glad you're joining us on Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. I have a new uh, idea for 2020, and my team and I were riffing on themes, and it kind of occurred to everyone that the theme for 2020 should be empowerment. So each month, we're going to have a new theme based on the word empowerment. And for my 30-day journey book, Live an Empowered Life, a 30-day journey, I broke down the word empower. And uh, so we're going to use some of those words to start off this, this year. So the first word with the letter E is esteem. And esteem means to regard with respect or admiration. And so questions to ask yourself over the next few weeks is, do you respect or admire yourself? Do others respect or admire you? And if you think they do, is there a part of you that doubts that they're telling you the truth? So respecting or admiring yourself for the next few weeks. Try it on and see how it fits. And once you've listened to the podcast today, hashtag it, like it, share it on social media, write us a review. Sign up to listen to more so you get a, 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 an alert every time the show shows up so you're not missing a thing. And here we go with today's show. So today I have, uh, I have a new friend, actually. Um, she's also an eWomen podcast person. Uh, her show is called Roar to Win. And I want to welcome Michelle Nagel today. Michelle, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for inviting me, Susan. Yeah. So it's interesting because a couple of weeks ago we did it. You interviewed me and we got to talking afterwards and you started sharing with me um, some of your life experience uh, about having gone through divorce. And you, were, you said that this is informing now the new work that you're focusing on, which is betrayal trauma. And that caught me. I mean, that totally caught me because... Having gone through, I don't often talk about my personal uh, divorce of after 28 years of marriage. I don't do the specifics because it's my business. And I definitely know, and I have several clients that when they enter into divorce, they're like, what? How did I not know this? How did I not know he was doing blah, blah, blah? How did I not know this? And mm -hmm. And so the revelation of betrayal and the depth of betrayal, at least in a divorce situation, is often huge. You're not only in shock, but it becomes more shock. It just adds to it, right? It does. It's um, the shock, actually, of a betrayal is when somebody, well, a betrayal, the definition of a betrayal is when somebody puts or breaks a spoken or unspoken agreement and puts their needs and desires above yours. So, oh my God, <laughs> that happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. And so 
there is all so many things. I mean, betrayal trauma is worse than any other kind of loss in that normally when you have a loss of, of somebody that you love passes away, it's not your fault. You know, right. you don't all of a sudden look at yourself like, oh my goodness, what's wrong with me? And you don't dive into the self-esteem destruction that takes place when somebody betrays you. It's it's a rejection of the most personal level. Yeah. And it, and it causes psychological, spiritual, physical, and emotional distress. It causes um, health issues. You go to your doctor and the doctor says, well, let's give you medicine for this. And then something else pops up and you end up so that you've got like this entire pharmacy on your shelf because you have all of these different issues that are coming up. And it isn't just your health. It's what it is, is it's the emotional component that caused all the health problems. And so Dr. Debbie Silver says it's like playing whack-a-mole. <laughs> you go into the doctor for a gut issue and he gives you something for that. And then next thing you know, something's going on with your heart. And so it's just so much more trauma. And unless you've actually experienced it, many people can't understand it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I had friends saying, well, you'll get over it. It'll get better. I'm like, you don't understand. And I have a very foul mouth. I'm being very cautious, everybody, but you don't, unless you've experienced betrayal personally, there's no understanding of what it is. And the revelation, you know, for me, Michelle, I found myself, well, a, my heart was shattered. I was shattered. My life was shattered. My heart was shattered. I thought it was mostly my fault because that's what I had been told. Yes. Um, and then when I started peeling away the layers I had covered myself with, right? I saw, oh my God, there wasn't just that time. There was that time. And then there was that time going mm -hmm. back all the years. Yeah. You can and go then, back and, and all of a sudden these things that you've been thinking at the time, you were thinking, what the heck? And right. now you're going, oh, now I get it. Now right. I see how I was being set up for this betrayal. Mm -hmm. Speak more about that because it does, I did feel like I was set up. You know, I, I'm sure my ex would explain it perfectly mm -hmm. of how that really wasn't you know, and I don't know that these people do it consciously, like, oh, ooh, you know, like the, the greedy guy, you know, ooh, we're going to like set this up to be just a horrible experience for the person I said I love. I don't think they consciously do it, but, but speak to that about how you feel set up. Well, it, it kind of depends. I mean, everybody, we talk about narcissists all the time and um, not everybody on the planet is a narcissist. And yet on the other, other hand, everybody on the planet is a narcissist. <laughs> because we couldn't accomplish anything if we weren't. You know, oh, that's an interesting way to look it is, at it. It is that kind of drive that puts us into, like, I want to really do well with my business. And, and you have to have that self-confidence in yourself. You have to go out there and um, you have to do what it takes. And so that is a degree of narcissism. You want to take care of yourself. You want to have, um, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to work on, you want to be successful with that. So well, that just that, sounds like self-esteem. Exactly. But yeah. it is a degree of narcissism because you could look at it in another way. If Susan, you're really, really successful and you get a whole bunch of clients and some of those clients were people that I talked to so that, you know, I thought maybe I would get them and you just turned out to be a better salesperson than I was or that they resonated better with you because of the spiritual connection that the two of you had. You know, I could sit here and go, oh, Susan is such a narcissist. She just took those people away from me. 
And that's not the case. It's right. just, you're better at what you're doing than I am. And so, yeah. you know, and, and yet I could accuse you of being a narcissist, you know? So that's what I'm saying is that we all do have narcissistic tendencies, but it's when you go and absolutely put yourself before anybody else. And a narcissist does, there are four stages. Um, there's love bombing. And oh, that, and what's that? that? Oh, love bombing is, oh, it is such an amazing time. It's when um, everything you do is wonderful, when they shower you with gifts and love and attention. Oh my God, were you following me around, Michelle, at the beginning of my marriage? Holy moly. Okay, yeah. And he wants to know, he or she, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Right. Person wants to know everything about you and they have everything in common with you. And oh, oh my goodness, I love that too. And you know, you just feel like, oh my criminy, I've never met anybody like this in my life. This is my soulmate. This oh, is yeah. I'm connected to. This is it's like this is this gift from heaven that this wonderful person that absolutely adores me. And that's called the love bombing phase. And then they go into um, devaluing and demeaning you. So those will be the little digs. Those will be the little things of like, oh, you look so beautiful in that dress after you've lost all that weight. Yeah. Or, you know, you'd look better if you lost weight. I had that. I had that going on a lot. Yeah. So there's this constant, it's kind of like, what happened to the guy who loved me? What happened to, I was, you know, I was wonderful. I was perfect. And now there's just these little digs and these little gaslighting kind of things. Like, I yeah. didn't say that. It's like, yes, you did. No, I didn't say that. And so then you start going with the crazy making. It's like, oh my gosh, am I losing my mind? So that is the demeaning and devaluing phase. And if you have what's called a covert passive aggressive narcissist. Oh, Yes, talk about that for a brief minute. Covert, Covert passive, passive, aggressive. That sounds like a stealth bomber. It is, exactly. And it's, it's I think, you know, you've got the, um, you have the ones where uh, they're overt narcissists. Those are the ones who are so grandiose. They're the ones who are like, oh, I'm just marvelous. I'm wonderful. And we steer away from those because who wants to be involved with that? Well, unless you voted that person into the White House. So but that's a sidebar, sidebar. Sorry. Go ahead. Yes. We're not talking about that today. <laughs> no, we're not talking about that today. Okay. So, um, but they'll do things like, uh, you know, you, you'll plan this beautiful, beautiful um, opportunity. Like, for example, I, I once went to the San Francisco Ballet to watch the Nutcracker. Uh-huh. And that was, we're supposed to go dressed up because that's what people do. Well, uh, we didn't dress up because we were going to park so far away that we didn't have to pay. And I couldn't walk in my high heels. And besides, it's cold. And besides, it's just a ballet. So who cares? And so all of this stuff. So I went and, um, we didn't dress up. And when we got there, everybody else is in their beautiful evening gowns and their tuxedos. And, and I felt like a thorn. I mean, it's just a little weed that crawled into the place. And yet, is there anything really absolutely wrong with that? No, but my plan was, and we had discussed 
And we said, this is what we're doing. It's kind of like these little things of sabotage. Oh, it's not that bad. Oh, it's not going to. So all of these things that are really important to you. Um, they will sabotage them. And that's where the passive aggressive comes in. Mm-hmm. You have somebody who's passive aggressive who is not a narcissist. And that's not any fun to live with either. But if you take it and you have a covert passive aggressive narcissist, then that's just horrible. And the problem is, is the reason they call them covert is because they really have low self-esteem. It's not that they're so full of self-esteem. And they are people pleasers. They really, really, really want everybody to look at them and say, wow, what a wonderful person you are. Wow, look at all the good things this person will do for other people. Is that it's really important for them to be in the spotlight, to look like they're very successful, to um, have, it's just appearances are really important to them. Oh, God, I, <laughs> God, oh, you followed me. I know you saw all this. Oh, my God. Okay. And I thought I was crazy. Of course you did. I was, I was the one that had, came out of the marriage with, no self-esteem. Right. And the, because that's the demeaning and the devaluing stage. In, with an with a overt narcissist, those relationships don't last very long. Hmm. A covert narcissist, covert passive-aggressive narcissist, can, can maintain these relationships for years and years, which is how you manage 28. I manage 23. Um, because, because as long as they get what they want out of it, so in my case... Um, in order to have the appearance of being really, really the good guy, we had to wait until my youngest son was grown. Mm-hmm. And once my youngest son had graduated from high school, that was it. He was done. Oh my God. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Been there. Because of appearances. It just has to be, no, I'm the good parent. I would mm. never abandon my family. Mm. And then as soon as that child is, you know, the obligation of, he's an adult now. It's like, well, divorce still affects adults. It's not like, you know, it's still, your parents divorce, the child still feels it. I don't care if that child is newborn or 50. It doesn't right. matter. It still affects them in yes. repeated ways. And it's and so, a trauma. It's a trauma. My son is still going. Uh, he's just now beginning to look at the trauma he experienced from our divorce. And unfortunately, there's nothing I can personally do or my ex can personally do to help him resolve that trauma. He, it's something he has to work through himself. Everybody who's going through a divorce, you know, don't try not to feel guilty that you made a healthy choice for yourself by getting out because your child is feeling the trauma of it. It's just, it's just what it is. Yeah, it is. It's unfortunate. And it's, it, we do with the gaslighting kind of the thing all the time. Like you said, it's like, is it me? Because they, they attach themselves, especially to people who are compassionate, empathetic. Um, mm. They attach themselves to those because that's where they get their narcissistic supply. And so they have to have narcissistic supply, which is also why when they decide that they are done with your relationship, that's where they go from the uh, demeaning and devaluing to discard. And mm-hmm. discard is swift, painful, brutal, so that you're looking at you going, I don't understand. I've lived with you all of these years. 
Who are you? Oh, yeah. What the hell? What happened? Exactly. Yeah. And so you'll begin to see that's where the that's where all of the mask comes off. And that's where you can begin to see, wow, this is a narcissist. This is because the overt narcissistic tendencies show up in the devalue in the in the discard phase. So oh, really? Yeah, because then they no longer care about mm-hmm. how you feel. They no longer mm-hmm. care about protecting you. It's like it's like taking a sponge and you've been you've been all nice and fluffy in the water and everything because you've had this love, you've had this caring, you've had this relationship. And then uh, they kind of start squeezing things out. So there's also another thing that they do. <laughs> I guess it'd help if I finished one thought before the other. <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, with the deva- with the discard phase, they completely ring you out. There is nothing left of you. You have yeah. given, you've spent your entire time during that relationship giving up pieces of yourself in order to try to maintain that relationship. So when they're gone, they're done with you. They've used you up completely. They have. There's nothing left that they feel that they can get from you. And then there's nothing left for you either because you have no idea who you are. Unless you rebuild yourself, which is what I had to do. And I I imagine that's what you had to do. I had to, I had to, and I often say this, I felt like I was crawling through the broken shards of my, of my heart and my life. And I chose to rebuild myself. I, I, instead of making it the woe is me and think I'll eat some worms for the rest of my life. I was like, okay. I'm a strong and courageous woman. I know I am. I filed for divorce. So now let's put my pieces back together. And I got to look at the pieces and go, no, I don't want that one. Oh no, this piece I really like about myself. And so I got to learn about myself while going through a really contentious divorce because evidently I was in the discard, painful, brutal, ring you out stage. But Mm -hmm. I had to really rebuild myself from the inside out. And, um, and that's a lot of, so I'm just going to say this, Michelle, and then I want to get back. I have another question, but that's a lot of what my book, uh, live an empowered life, a 30 day journey is about. It's about how to build yourself from the inside out. And you have to look at the hard pieces, you know, it's a workbook and you have to do the work in order to come out empowered and loving yourself and respecting yourself. You just don't get to roll over and go, okay, today's a new day and I'll just be, you know, it it, it takes a lot of focus, energy and work to crawl out from under that life that you've been living with a narcissist. Right. And so obviously people are betrayed by other people besides just narcissists. Mm -hmm. For I'm sure you can tell I feel a little bit passionate about that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there are there are other kinds of betrayals too that affect people. And some of those betrayals happened when we were children. Um, for example, you know, we talk all the time about, I'm sure you've heard the term of a child being dethroned when the next No, I haven't heard that. Explain that. Okay. It's it's like if you have a your oldest child is born, you have more than one child. So the oldest child is born. And maybe there's a a gap of two or three years, maybe even more between that child and child number two. Mm -hmm. When child number two comes along, child number one feels like they've been discarded, like they're no longer good enough, Mm -hmm. like doesn't love me anymore. Um, And so it's it's called um, 
it's called dethroning when you have a child who has that kind of experience, no matter how, how much you have prepared the child for there's going to be a baby and we're all excited about it. And, and you try to help them uh, participate as much as you can in preparation for the baby is still when the day comes, the reality is there's a baby there, right? There's somebody that is taking up mom and dad's time all the time. And there's somebody that, you know, mom's feeding the baby and I want you to read me a storybook and mom's going, get down. There's not enough room, (laughs) all those things. Um, I just spoke to a woman a, a couple of weeks ago and she said that she just learned that her oldest son felt like he had been kicked to the curb when the next baby came along. And he's been dealing with that all of his life. So mm-hmm. in some cases, that's a betrayal. Right. And you don't even realize it. Wow. Right. I'm, and, the, and I'm was, the oldest. I got a little baby piano when my brother was born. Like, okay. That, what? what? Yeah. So that might be an interesting thing for you to kind of like go back and explore a little bit and see, hmm, how did I really feel when he was born? Yeah. Because, um, and that was completely unintentional. Right. You know, nobody intends to hurt anybody like that. And yet the child is still hurt by it. So there are betrayals that happen like that. It happens also if you've got a really great idea, you share it with a coworker, you're working on it still. The coworker takes it to the boss and gets all the credit for it. Mm. That's the betrayal too. Mm. um, It's also the betrayal of, like I said, you know, it doesn't matter how old the child is when the divorce takes place, the child still feels the effects of it. And in the cases of I was not the only person betrayed, my children were also betrayed and they feel it acutely. And it, it has gone down through the generations because my grandchildren even feel it. Wow. It's just such a horrible thing. So betrayal is, like you said, it's something you have to work through. And a lot of us like to really avoid that word, work. It's, oh, yeah. It's too hard. It's too painful. It's too scary. Uh, scary. I can't do this. I'm making, you know, can't is a great way to stop us in our tracks. I can't just stop right there. Well, and that's why, um, the work that you and I do, Michelle, is so awesome because, um, we can support individuals in working through it and, and help them get through it. Because if anybody that's listening, if you're feeling this, uh, if this is resonating with you, chances are you've been betrayed and you're not dealing with it. And if you want to deal with it, um, you don't have to do it alone. That was the big thing for me when I was going through my, my betrayal stuff. I had, I had a, a posse, you know, I had three or four people, plus I was seeing a therapist and plus, you know, but I had like my closest go-to people to help me get through it on a daily basis. Yeah, the support is incredible. I, I don't think I would have made it through mm-hmm. this experience without my community. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's like they'd say, how are you? And I'd say, I'm fine. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> you know, and they, and they, um, they would sometimes they would just show up and whisk me away rather than letting me sit and just fall apart because right. the destruction is so incredibly intense. Like I had... Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of broken heart syndrome. It's a a real honest to goodness thing that physically happens to your heart. Your heart changes shape. Wow. And uh, it is because of intense stress. It can actually kill you. 
And they used to think that it was something that you recovered from really easily, like it was only a temporary thing. And they've discovered lately that that's not the case either. It's something that can affect you for a very long time. Um, I have a friend who her, um, her husband let her know that he was going to move out and live with a man. And mm, ouch. she ended up in the hospital in intensive uh, care yeah. because of what happened to her heart. So um, when, you, when you go, oh, wow, my heart hurts, and it feels like you're having a heart attack, but you have no symptoms other than the intense pain, and you have no markers for it, your blood pressure is fine, you're, you, know, you don't have the high cholesterol levels or any of those things, and yet you've got this intense pain, yeah. that is because you're probably experiencing broken heart syndrome. Yep. I have a, a, a client who um, would just come in and say, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, sit in the chair across me. I'm fine until halfway through. And then she'd start sharing what was going on. And then she'd start crying. And I said, your, your heart is broken. Your mm -hmm. heart is broken. And her soon to be ex decided to start dating and then move in with the neighbor across the street. Oh my goodness. So not only is she after 30 something years of marriage being kicked to the curb, he's flaunting it in front of her face mm -hmm. and her, her daughter who's living with her currently, they're seeing this and, and he, you know, he doesn't think there's anything wrong with it. Do you know what I mean? I do. Yes. Um, we've got this weird thing going on in the world. There's, it's, for some reason, people seem to think that they can just make up their mind that they're done. And, and then the marriage dissolves. It's like, it's like, I'm done and you're not married anymore. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. There's a long haul to get through it, not just legally, but emotionally to get through yeah. it. So Michelle, what's, do you have one uh, tip or suggestion for everybody uh, if they're feeling like they're in a betrayal trauma? What would be a first step? Okay, the first step would be to realize that you're not crazy. Oh. You really, to just acknowledge, this is the pain I am feeling. And it's not your fault. If you have been betrayed, it's not your fault. Has That's no a hard one. Yeah, it has nothing to do with how sexy you are. It has nothing to do with how much weight you have. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them. And the way they leave you says more about them than it does about you. Because if, if they're willing, if they are willing to destroy your life and a family like that, then what does that say about them? It does not say anything. It doesn't say anything about you. You are the one who's been betrayed. You're not doing the betraying. So the first thing and, and tell me, Susan, if this applied to you, because it does to me. <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm trying not to be obnoxious. Oh, my no, gosh. But, but when the betrayal happens, the first thing I felt was intense shame. Mm -hmm. Which shocked me. I'm like, why am I feeling shame? It was a shock that yeah. I had to then work through what's the shame. And then, and then I was like, you know what? Just forget it. I'm just going to eliminate it. And actually, I've got a great meditation on Insight Timer about dealing with that kind of shame. Mm -hmm. That's just easy peasy. You, you know, it's not, it's not like you have to pick up every piece of shame and, and investigate it. You don't need to know what it's about. You just need to recognize you're feeling it. Right. But, but like you said, it's like they're the one that leaves. So why am I feeling shame? 
but that's where most people go. And that's what prevents them from reaching out and talking. And I'm not just talking about, you know, airing your dirty laundry because that really doesn't help either. No, that's, um, you know, that's just, uh, that's almost a vindictive kind of a thing too. It's like, okay, you hurt me. Well, I'm going to hurt you. Um, that's not healing. That's not helpful. What is helpful is to find the people who will help you. The people who, uh, you know, everybody's, everybody says like, I can do this myself, especially if you happen to be a coach uh-huh. and you can trade, uh-huh. you can do it yourself. <laughs> yeah, My yeah. story for you is no, you can't. <laughs> no, you can't. And it's important to reach out. Uh, okay. So I'm just going to repeat what you just said, Michelle. It is very important uh, you, to realize you cannot do this by yourself. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with you that don't, you know, if you're feeling ashamed because of that kind of a thing, just reach out and call somebody. Mm-hmm. Call, so, Michelle, tell everybody how they can get a hold of you to do betrayal trauma work. Okay. So, you can email me directly at Michelle, which has two L's at isoulshift.com. So it's I-S-O-U-L-S-H-I-F-T.com. Just email me directly and we, we can have a conversation. And it doesn't matter where they are on the planet, right? You guys can do work over, you know, you can do it even though they're not coming to see you physically. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's awesome because I have worked with a woman who lives in Dubai. So. Oh, well. Oh, that's so cool. (laughs) Yes. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So if there's anybody listening, if you felt betrayal, whether it's in a marriage or at work, really uh, reach out to Michelle Nagel or myself. You can, you know, I do this kind of work as well in a slightly different way. Um, But reach out to Michelle Nagel and Michelle, say your website again. My website is isoulshift.com. And, and they can contact you through that. Yeah, you can do Michelle at isoulshift.com. Okay. And please, please know that you're not alone. There's many of us that have gone through it. There's many of us that have worked hard to be as whole as humanly possible and happy and healthy and all those things. So please, if you're feeling betrayed and, it, and it's working your last nerve, reach out. So with that, Michelle, I'm just going to end with, and so it is, namaste. Well, that wraps up our empowering chat today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, go to susanborrell.com. You can see all of the information about my new book, Live an Empowered Life, a 30-Day Journey. You can also access guided meditations that I have on Insight Timer through the website and just see what else is out there on my site that you might find empowering and exciting to experience. You can also contact me through the website at susan at susanmorell.com. That's it for today. See you next time.